All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And uh, my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Uh, to sign up for Chen's newsletter, you need to go to miningstocks.com and put your name on a waiting list. You can also, uh, though, however, sign up for my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, at any time, uh, also at miningstocks.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show and would invite you all to keep your questions and comments coming to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. And I would like to also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is jtaylormedia. Also, keep in mind that the second hour of this show can be listened to by way of podcast at jtaylormedia.com. But when you go to jtaylormedia.com, click on the podcast button, and that will take you immediately to uh, the page where you can access uh, both today's show, the second hour of today's show, as well as previous shows uh, in their entirety. So that's jtaylormedia.com and hit the podcast button once you get to that home page. Again, thanks to each of you for listening and making this show one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. We also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Caden Resources, Avino Silver and Gold Mines, Columbus Gold Corp., Cornerstone Capital, and Wellgreen Platinum. With regard to our sponsors, uh, Caden Resources uh, is set for a vote on the acquisition of Caden uh, by Agneagle Eagle, and that's uh, going to take place next Monday. That has, uh, uh, should it come to pass, which I expect it will, should result in a very nice gain for those who purchase Caden Resources, both uh, my subscribers, uh, yours, uh, yours truly. I was a purchaser of Caden Resources, uh, and I think um, a very, very good company. I think we have another one that can uh, equal or surpass even that uh, performance, and we're going to be talking to Robert Juster today of Columbus Gold Corp. A very exciting story. Uh, a company with a uh, uh, multi-million ounce deposit uh, in uh, South America uh, with a very strong sponsor uh, and uh, a company that I think uh, has a lots of things going for it in Nevada as well. A, an advanced stage project there that looks very good. But Robert uh, Juster will be with me at about a half past, well actually in just a few minutes after the first uh, commercial break, Robert's going to join me uh, to give us an update and to talk to us about Columbus Gold. Avena Silver and Gold Mines, uh, we're going to be talking to the CEO of that company next week. Um, David uh, Wolfen will be with me. 
Uh, that company also is growing its uh, silver and gold production in Mexico, but it also has just closed on a acquisition of a high-grade underground gold mine in British Columbia. Um, and, uh, well, we've recently spoken to Well Green Platinum. Uh, it's a story that I like a lot. I think it has a great potential to become one of the more outstanding platinum producers in North America, platinum and palladium producers uh, as well. So we have a lot of uh, our sponsors. I, I am very proud of them. I think all of them have great prospects going forward, and uh, so I'm very pleased to share that information with you, my listener. I've... Um, I've titled today's show, Facing the Jaws of Death with Gold. Dr. Robert McHugh, uh, Robert Juster, who I just mentioned, the CEO uh, of um, Columbus Gold, will be with me. David Gerwitz returns to talk about Charles Nanner's views on the markets. And David Jensen uh, and Daniel McAdams will also join me. Uh, Gerwitz, Jensen, and McAdams will be with me the second hour. And Dr. Robert McHugh, the part two of Dr. Robert McHugh, uh, will be available only at jtaylormedia.com in the second hour. And you can access that as soon as this first hour is over. Uh, and that is at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Well, in his book, The Coming Economic Ice Age, which was published about one year ago in October of 2013, Dr. Robert McHugh warned of an impending decline in the equity markets based in part on a very major megaphone chart formation in the Dow and S&P and actually uh, with a number of European markets as well. Uh, such formations have preceded all notable market declines in the last century, including 1929, 1957, 1965, 1972, 73, 1986, 1987, 1999, and 2007. So those are all very notable bear markets, and each and every one of them was preceded by what Dr. Robert McHugh calls the jaws of death, now, or also commonly known as a megaphone formation. And the jaws of death, he named uh, this formation the jaws of death because of the wars and economic carnage that always seems to follow uh, the jaws of death. McHugh's daily misses have been extremely helpful to me uh, over the last number of weeks and in nav- really in, in navigating these treacherous markets. And so I really wanted to uh, have Dr. McHugh come on and share his insights and technical work with you. Uh, and while extremely bearish on the equity market, so I might add that Dr. McHugh believes that we have either seen the bottom in gold or we're very near uh, seeing it, and he is very bullish longer term uh, on the gold price. With regard to gold and gold shares, uh, I am happy to have him with me. As I just noted, Robert Justra, he's going to be here in just a couple of minutes after our first commercial break. Uh, he is the CEO and chairman of Columbus Gold, and uh, this is really, truthfully, one of my favorite stocks. It's one that I own. Uh, it is a recommendation in my newsletter as well. Uh, now, one of the reasons that I really like Columbus Gold so much is that it has a major gold mining company, a producer, a company with all of the resources required to put a, a gold mine into production. And the gold mine that we're talking about uh, already has well over 4 million ounces of gold and lots of exploration potential. Columbus Gold is selling at about 42 cents in U.S. funds today. I think this is a stock that could, uh, at least on a return in the gold bull market, could very easily be 
become a $4.20 stock. No promises, but to me, a, a 10 bagger is certainly not without, uh, is certainly within the realm of possibility for this company once the bull market resumes in gold and if, as I assume, this company moves forward towards production on its, uh, on, on its project, which is in French Guiana. Dr. McHugh, uh, as I say, will be with me uh, at about half past the hour, the first part of uh, today's show, and then he'll be returning uh, immediately in the first half of the second hour at jtaylormedia.com. And once you get there again, I want to remind you, click on the podcast button at jtaylormedia.com. And we're going to be also talking to David Gerwitz and Daniel McAdams and David Jensen as well. Now, David Gerwitz will share with us Charles Nanner's call on gold and all the other markets. Nanner has been remarkably accurate in calling the top of the gold bull market. He thinks that we're very close to the bottom. Uh, And so we'll hear what uh, Charles has to say or what David has to say uh, in passing along Charles Nanner's latest technical um, recommendations. Daniel McAdams will talk about uh, President Obama sending several thousand troops into the Ebola-infested Western Africa. Da- Daniel will also talk about uh, an article from Der Spiegel that claims to know for sure who shot down that airliner in the Ukraine, though Daniel mentions that Der Spiegel doesn't provide any uh, supporting evidence for what they say. They just seem to say, we know what the truth is and you should just believe us. Uh, Daniel, uh, David, actually, David Jensen will hit on some very important topics, including one that is really a, a head-scratcher, and that is Jim Rickards claims that the Western world will confiscate gold by 2020 and bury it under a Swiss mountain along with radioactive waste. Wow. Uh, what a colorful picture. Well, we'll David will we'll ask David why he thinks... Uh, that he would uh, say such a thing, uh, you know, how realistic is that? And uh, David will have his views on that, I'm sure. Also, uh, David will talk a, a little bit about uh, some claims of treason from a very high-level banker in America and um, very interesting, I think, self-incriminating words that uh, David will pass along. Very interesting conversation with David, uh, with David Jensen coming up in the second hour uh, of today's show at jtaylormedia.com. Well, one person who listens to this show asked me if I thought now was a good time to start loading up on gold shares, and I I truthfully believe it probably is. Well, loading up, I don't know if I'd use that term. I would be cautiously acquiring gold shares, and uh, he mentioned a couple that I think are, are well worth noting. Uh, a couple of them, one of them is uh, Pritium Resources, which is a recommendation in my newsletter. Another one that I know of is Seabridge Gold. I think those are two excellent names. I uh, haven't been up to date on Seabridge recently. Uh, but I, I do think that if we are uh, at the turning point, as McHugh and Nanner both seem to think we are, then I think there's going to be some enormous gains to be made from the junior mining companies, at least those that survived this downturn and are in good shape financially. And one of those companies that I think has an excellent chance of not only surviving but thriving and doing extremely well is Columbus Gold. We do have to go to our commercial break, but as soon as we come back, uh, we're going to be talking to Robert Justra, who is the chairman and CEO of that company, one of my favorites, Columbus Gold. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Robert Justra. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. Production of platinum and palladium is heavily concentrated in South Africa and Russia. Rising costs, labor strife, and ever more challenging underground mining conditions have led to serious and ongoing supply deficits. New sources of PGMs from stable regions are needed to meet the increasing global demand. Well Green Platinum's PGM Nickel Project in Canada's Yukon hosts one of the world's largest concentrations of platinum, palladium, and nickel. Excellent management, favorable jurisdiction, strong supply and demand fundamentals, and near-term catalysts. Visit wellgreenplatinum.com to learn more. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me, once again, Robert Justra. He's the CEO and chairman of Columbus Gold Corp. Uh, Columbus Gold Corp trades in Toronto under the symbol CGT, and you can buy it in the United States, as I have under the symbol CBGDF, CBGDF. Uh, trading earlier today, I know at U.S. 42 cents or in 48 cents in Canadian money, about 135.8 million shares outstanding, and uh, gives it a market cap in U.S. dollar terms of around 57 million dollars. Uh, Robert has been actively engaged in the creation, financing, and development of management uh, of publicly traded mining companies since 1992, and his early experience in public markets includes working as an investment advisor with a national securities broker and later as an investment banker with an international investment dealer. Uh, so uh, that's where he uh, co-founded an institutional equity sales and uh, corporate finance departments with a specialist uh, focus on the uh, junior mining sector. So he comes well prepared from the financial side of this business, which is one of the most important parts of a, a making a successful exploration company. Uh, you need the financing abilities as well as the uh, technical abilities. So Robert brings that, and he also brings an ability to deal with people, which is another very important aspect. Welcome, Robert. It's really good to have you with me again. Thanks, Jay. I'm happy to be here. Really good to have you. I, I uh, should mention before we get started that I do own this stock. I purchased it in my retirement account. Uh, it is recommended in my newsletter. It's one of my top picks, uh, but I'm not alone. There's a lot of other newsletter writers. Uh, Doug Casey's International Speculator is there with the recommendation. Uh, Lawrence Ralston likes it as well. And Brian London, these are uh, friends of mine that own this stock and have recommended it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not that I recommend only things that my friends recommend, but I just uh, I, I have a high regard for those gentlemen. Uh, and I thought it would be uh, worthwhile letting my listeners know 
that uh, that I'm not alone. In fact, I think there's a lot of newsletter writers and people that are following this company for some good reasons uh, have put it ahead of the list of uh, many hundreds, if not thousands, of junior mining companies out there. So anyway, welcome. It's really good to have you, Robert. I'd like to start out by asking you, uh, just for the sake of our listeners that may not be familiar with your flagship property, which is the Paul Isnard Project in French Guiana, tell our listeners about that project. How many ounces of gold do you have? What are the prospects of them getting produced? And what kind of profitability might we anticipate? Although I know it's still early uh, to answer that last question, perhaps. A little, little early to talk about profitability. We're still at the development stage, Jay, as you know. Uh, but it, uh, it certainly looks like it has the potential to be very profitable. It's, it's presently a very large deposit. It's 4.3 million ounces of gold. Um, someone mentioned to me the other day that uh, according to their, uh, their due diligence, they were able to identify less than 10 junior mining companies in the world with a deposit that big. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's in French Guyana, as you mentioned. What your readers might not know is that French Guyana is part of France, so it also benefits from being in a, a politically stable jurisdiction. But we're presently drilling, and it's going to get a lot bigger uh, pretty quick with a, mm-hmm. another resource estimate in a couple of months. Well, you know, uh, you can find gold in the ground, and maybe the markets will pay you something for that, Robert. But uh, from my perspective, what really matters is what are the chances of getting it out and earning a profit. And, you know, it's a, it's a gigantic task for a junior mining company to do it alone, especially in markets like this where it's very difficult to raise capital efficiently. So I think very wisely last year, and one of the reasons that I'm so enthusiastic about your company, is that you improved the odds of success dramatically when you signed an agreement with Nord Gold. That's a major company, a major gold mining company, you know, because they have the resources the technical resources as well as the financial resources to uh, to help you along. Now, if you could possibly tell our listeners what arrangement did you uh, did you make with this major company, Nord Gold? Well, Nord Gold is the fastest growing gold company in the world. Uh, when word was out that we were looking for a major partner uh, to assist us in developing the project, uh, all the usual names showed up and had a look. Uh, I can say that uh, all of them were interested. Uh, but Nordgold was by far the most aggressive. Uh, the deal we managed to arrive at with them um, was one of the best I've ever seen, and most people agree, in the 20 years I've been in the business. Uh, it's an earn-in that allows them to earn only half of the project, 50.01% in this case, uh, by funding all of the work to take it to the economic feasibility stage. Um, uh, in that process, they have to spend at least $30 million, and they have to do it in a very short pe- period of time of less than three years, with half, mm. uh, half a year already passed. Mm. Okay, well, that's, yeah, I mean, it's very unusual, I would say, to be able to hold on to roughly basically half of a project when you've got, especially in a market condition like this, where, where you know, the, the senior would know that the junior is going to have a tough time raising capital. So kudos to you for uh, for doing this. Ta- tell us a little bit about how, how does this company, Nordgold, because I think it's probably a name that might not be that well known to Americans, how does it rank among some of the other gold mining companies that might be more familiar? Well, they're they're presently the 13th largest in the world, but they've really they've come out of nowhere uh, in only eight years to go from zero ounces of production 
uh, to presently over 900,000 ounces. I believe it was 925,000 ounces of production last year mm-hmm. on $1.4 billion in revenue. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're quite substantial. And your, your, your listeners might not have uh, heard of them because they haven't been around for very long, but they are listed in London on the big board, and, and they're quite substantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, mo- most, of their, uh, most of their growth has come from uh, mergers and acquisitions. They presently operate nine gold mines in four countries, and at least eight of those were acquired through M&A, uh, principally by, uh, by taking out um, uh, three other junior mining companies over the last eight years. You know, I know, uh, as you just noted, it's too early to really talk about in any kind of definite terms what the economics of this project might be, but there had to be something there that a project of Nord Gold's caliber would be interested in. They had to see some prospects. What do you think are some of the factors that makes this such a makes this potentially uh, a highly economic project? Well, I'll comment on the politics because I think that factored into their their decision as well, Jay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I'll I'll comment on that as well. But um, I need to emphasize that we're in a very politically stable country, France. Uh, there's rule of law. There's a legal system that works if you have any problems. Um, uh, what's unfortunate about our business, often these opportunities are found in countries that are not so stable. Countries like the Congo, for example, where you, as soon as you find something of value, uh, well, a general or somebody powerful comes along and takes it away from you. Uh, we don't have those sort of issues uh, in, uh, in operating in France, and we certainly don't have the same sort of uh, uh, corruption issues. So they were uh, first and foremost, I think, uh, attracted to the safe um, uh, jurisdiction. Secondly, to the amount of ounces in the ground uh, already. And thirdly, they can clearly see from going through the data that the deposit has the potential to get much larger. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and fourth, uh, I think fourthly, um, also uh, the fact that you could actually get the ounces out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Metallurgy is excellent. Um, metallurgical testing that's been done on the property uh, uh, shows that um, better than 90% of the gold is extractable through conventional cyanide. And the deposit is um, uh, extractable by open pit methods, which is, of course, uh, very preferable to mining underground. And I think lastly, you can drive to this deposit. So access uh, being, uh, being very good, uh, was also a determining factor. So there were a lot of reasons, ultimately, that when all combined, uh, made it quite obvious that this was an opportunity that they wanted to be involved with. Uh, what are some of the near-term catalysts that investors might be looking forward to? Because uh, you, you mentioned that the uh, the Nord Gold is on a fairly short time uh, t- timeline here in order to move this project through to feasibility. But uh, what might investors be looking at in the near term that might that might drive this stock or might give some reasons for people to get interested? Aside, of course, I think the the major thing in my own view is that if we see a turn in the equity markets, uh, people are going to start looking for value, and I think they're going to find value in your company earlier than they find value in a lot of others. But aside from that, in terms of the project, are there some catalysts that investors should be keeping their eyes on? Well, absolutely. We're drilling. And as you know, Jay, there's hardly anybody who's drilling in the business right now because of uh, difficult market conditions, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, uh, we think have bottomed out. That's, that's another conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, in a market environment where um, uh, there, there isn't a lot of capital for drilling activities, we actually have three drills turning on the project. 
and uh, that's with the aim of completing a, uh, a drill campaign on uh, 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 with tight spacing of 50 meters um, in order to raise the confidence level in the existing 4 million, 4.3 million ounces actually that have been identified and also in order to raise the amount of ounces and we think it's going to get a lot bigger. That drill program completes uh, in about two weeks uh, at which point we've, uh, we've begun working on a, a new resource estimate uh, which we anticipate will be out um, in, uh, in January. So the next major catalyst is announcing a new resource estimate, mm-hmm. um, which we feel very confidently is going to result in more ounces and in a higher level of confidence, uh, particularly in raising uh, most of those ounces from the inferred category into the uh, more confident indicated uh, category and perhaps a measured as well. Mm-hmm. Robert, you mentioned the upside uh, that you have upside potential here. I'm curious to know whether or not that would be, uh, you know, on surface or is it at depth? Uh, it's um, it's in many ways, Jay. Uh, mm-hmm. The deposit is two and a half kilometers long. Um, it is uh, wide open on strike yet. Mm-hmm. There's uh, at least uh, up to five kilometers of uh, geochem, geophysics, and geology, which all indicate that the deposit is going to get longer along strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to get deeper because we've only drilled it down to what we feel is the open pit potential to about 250 meters. But these types of deposits, these greenstone type deposits, which are very common in this part of the world and in West Africa, uh, they're known to go to the center of the earth. So it really just becomes an economic decision on how deep you want to drill them and exploit them. Mm-hmm. And certainly, uh, once the, the pit's exploited, then there's going to be plenty of potential to follow the gold down deeper uh, and to be extracted by underground methods. Uh, also, there are parallel zones, and by parallel zones, I don't mean separate targets uh, 500 meters away. Mm-hmm. I mean actual parallel zones that can be exploited in, in, in the existing uh, anticipated pit design that mm-hmm. um, will certainly add some ounces as well. So it, it's going to grow by all of those methods, but it's also going to grow internally between what are presently widely spaced holes. As Mm -hmm. I said, we're drilling uh, on 50-meter centers, uh, and that will have the effect of uh, uh, adding ounces um, in areas where there's presently very wide spacing within the envelope of the deposit. Well, it certainly does look like like there's a lot of upside. That's the way I see it anyway, and I, I really... Really appreciate that, but but you're not a one-trick pony. You also have uh, a lot of different prospects in Nevada. In fact, I think my favorite model in the junior sector is the prospect generator model, which you are employing in Nevada. Uh, you have how many properties do you have in Nevada? We uh, we have 15 projects, mm-hmm. uh, but as you know, we're we're absolutely focused on just one at the moment, uh, which we call East Side. Right. Yeah, tell us about that because that is uh, that's that's also something I think the market probably isn't paying much attention to either. I mean, not that the market cares much about gold mining companies at all these days, but that's why uh, I think this is such an exciting opportunity. Tell us about Eastside. So you have something I think very substantial potentially there in addition to the Paul Isnard. Well, I think the first benefit of Eastside is that it's in Nevada, which is uh, um, perhaps the best mining gold mining jurisdiction on the planet. Uh, every major mining company has operations in Nevada for a reason. Um, 
the 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 project is also located in a part of Nevada with outstanding infrastructure. Uh, it's uh, six miles from the paved highway that goes from uh, Reno to Las Vegas. Uh, there is a power major power transmission line that runs right through the project. Uh, there is water on site, uh, which is an it could be an issue in Nevada, as you know. Mm-hmm. Not an issue here. We have an existing well that we exploit from for the drilling. We're on the edge of the flats, and it's in a part of Nevada you can work in year-round. It really is the dream location to find a gold mine. Um, the, uh, the, the, the other main uh, advantage is that uh, the drilling currently indicates that uh, the, the mineralization is all oxide. And uh, what that means is it's easy to get the gold uh, out of the rock, um, and these are exactly the sort of projects that um, uh, major mining companies look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has it checks all of the boxes, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, we're we're drilling really excellent grade. Excellent. Well, so when when do you expect to have a resource on that? Uh, is there, do you have a time frame for that? Well, we're we're presently permitting a twelve uh, month um, uh, program. Uh-huh. Uh, we expect to have all of our drilling permits in December. Uh, kicking off a pretty aggressive program in January. We're going to drill 250 holes, and we expect to have a resource estimate by the end of next year. So there's going to be drilling news coming out of uh, French Guyana and in parallel with that in Nevada as well, in addition to all the other things that you would expect for projects at this stage, like metallurgical testing and so on. There'll be results, and in French Guyana, we're also well in the middle of all of our baseline environmental studies. So we expect it to be a pretty eventful 2015. Oh, it sure looks like it. Uh, with the minute we have left here, I, I, I believe, I truthfully believe that we are very near the bottom in this gold bear market that's lasted three years from now, uh, over about three years. Uh, and I'm sure, I hope I'm not just talking my book here. I, I believe that we're on to it. How do you see yourselves uh, coming out of this? You, you Where you want to be, pretty much? Uh, with both of your projects, because uh, when we get a good bull market in gold, it's going to be a lot easier to raise capital. So what are your thoughts in terms of where you'd like to be when this bull market turns around or when well, it finally fortunately, resumes? Fortunately, we don't need capital. We're, we're, ex- we're extremely well-funded at the moment with Nordgold funding the work in French Guyana, to mm-hmm. which we also get a management fee of 10% of all the money it's spent there. It Terrific. covers uh, all of our overheads. And we're well-funded uh, for carrying out our drilling um, uh, in Nevada. But uh, I do agree with you, Jay. Uh, I, I think the gold market has bottomed out. Um, I, I'm looking at it from a different point of view. Uh, I know you're looking at uh, the world uh, situation at a world scale with macroeconomics and perhaps mm-hmm. microeconomics. But I'm seeing things in the boardroom that are clear indications to me and I'm also seeing things on the ground. So, for example, I'm getting calls from bankers offering us money. That hasn't mm. happened in four years. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. calls from hedge funds, bargain hunting. Uh, they're expecting a turnaround, so they want to find uh, good positions to take and promising companies. Again, that hasn't happened in four years. And for the first time in four years, we're also getting phone calls from other junior mining companies looking for projects in Nevada. Oh, wonderful. That's wonderful. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That, uh, and as you know, Jay, we've both been around long enough to know that when the gold market comes back, it always starts in Nevada. It's, uh, yeah. it's a safe jurisdiction, and that's where companies go looking for us for projects. Yeah. So uh, we're, uh, we're fairly optimistic, and uh, when the market uh, does come roaring back, I suppose your listeners should be asking themselves, 
what sort of stocks do they want to own. Yeah, I, um, I think that's right. And well, unfortunately, they, they, we're out of time, Robert, uh, but uh, you're absolutely right. And I, I would just reiterate the fact that uh, Columbus Gold is certainly one of my favorites. Uh, and, um, you know, for all the reasons that we talked about, and I hope to have you on again sometime soon, Robert, so we can talk some more about and update our listeners on your company. I Thank you very much for time, being with Jay. me today. Anytime. Cheers. Uh, folks, uh, that's all uh, for this segment, but coming up next, Dr. Robert McHugh, he's going to talk about what he calls the jaws of death in the equity markets. McHugh is bullish on gold, bearish on stocks, so stick around and listen to what he has to say to learn why. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. Cornerstone Capital Resources is a prospect generator focused on joint venturing its highly prospective gold, silver, and copper projects in Ecuador and Chile. At its Cascabel Joint Venture in Ecuador, funded by partner Sol Gold PLC, hole five of an ongoing drilling program intersected over 1,300 meters, grading over six-tenths of a percent copper and over half a gram per ton gold. Cornerstone retains a 15% interest financed through to completion of a bankable feasibility study. Symbol CGP on the TS. SXV and CTNXF on the OTC. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me today Dr. Robert McHugh. I'm conducting an interview with Dr. McHugh because I believe we are very near a momentous period in American history and the history of markets that have been caused by decades of monetary and political abuse of what was once a prosperous free market capitalist economy in America. Let me try to explain where I'm coming from and why I think it is so important you hear what Dr. McHugh has to tell you today. In 1967, I had a college professor named Dr. Peyton Yoder at a small Mennonite college at Heston, Heston, Kansas, called Heston College. Dr. Yoder was convinced that there was a correlation between the debasing of a currency and the demise of a nation's work ethic and its morality. Well, now, I'm quite a bit older. I'm 67 now. As such, I recall the presidency of Dwight David Eisenhower, who warned of the military-industrial complex. President Eisenhower, by the way, was the last president to have the gold supply in America audited. I recall the presidency of John Kennedy, who warned of the dangers to our liberty of secret societies that gain control of our government. And I remember very vividly the speech that Richard Nixon made on Sunday, August 14, 1971, when he removed gold from the backing of the U.S. dollar. 
in what he said 43 years ago would be only a temporary policy. What followed that fateful August 15, 1971 enactment of Gold's detachment from the dollar was the start of a cancerous monetary creation and the big lies that it fostered. The biggest lie of all was that we can have greater living standards not by working harder and saving more, but by working less hard and spending more and taking on more debt. In my view, believing that big lie, our governments tells us, that you can have something for nothing, not only led us astray financially, but morally, spiritually, and socially. The relationships that began to deteriorate as a result, I believe, of that false assumption. And with that came the demise of the very basic building blocks of a healthy society, namely the family. With the breakdown of the family has come a decline in the educational standards, for example, such that U.S. now lags most of all the advanced nations in terms of its educational success. Never do the politicians call for a re-examination of the real causes of these problems, namely a breakdown in the moral fiber of the American people caused by uh, an immoral mon monetary system, nor do the Federal Reserve officials ever seriously look at the real cause of our economic malaise, namely a fraudulent currency that is created out of nothing and then used to foster that big lie that we can have something for nothing, not to mention used to reallocate wealth from those who create it to those who control it, namely the politicians and the bankers. Our fraudulent monetary system has been in place so long now that most people don't have the foggiest idea that the premise of our policies are wrong to begin with. And as such, we have allowed stress to build up in our financial and political system to the point where a massive breakdown of our political and economic system is now imminent. But ignorance is no bliss any more than if you were driving over a bridge that was about to fall down due to the stresses and cracks in that bridge that occurred over years of abuse and misuse. To help us visualize the stress fractures of our markets and economy, I have invited Dr. McHugh to pass along his insights and warnings to you. In my view, the enabler of most of the problems we have now in our markets and in our political system was the debasement of our monetary system, starting with Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the 1930s when he detached gold from the monetary system in the United States, and then after that with President Nixon's demolition of the gold standard internationally in August 15, 1971. But there is something even more basic, in my view, that underlies the reason we went off the gold standard in the first place, which I will address in a segment following my discussion with Dr. McHugh. So let me introduce to you Dr. Robert McHugh, who has been with us several times in the past on Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Dr. McHugh is president and CEO of Mainline Investors, Inc., founded in 2003 to provide technical market forecasts for stock and precious metals markets, uh, offering trading education and a platinum trading service for subscribers interested in managing a speculative segment of their total portfolio to achieve above average returns. And you uh, can go to, and I would really suggest that all of you take this website down. It's Technical Indicator Index, technicalindicatorindex.com. It's where you should go to catch up with Dr. McHugh. Uh, he is uh, the author of uh, a book uh, called the, the Coming Economic Ice Age, which I have in my hands now. I've read through it. Uh, it's a compelling read if you really try to understand what is going on in the markets, why things have become so volatile. I think you'll find an awful lot of uh, those answers right there in the Coming Economic Ice Age. So welcome, Dr. McHugh. It's really good to have you with me again. 
Thanks, Jay. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you as well. Before we get started with our discussion, I would like to, uh, my listeners, again, I would just uh, like them to jot down uh, technicalindicatorindex.com, technicalindicatorindex.com. I am a subscriber to a service, uh, part of what Dr. McHugh uh, offers. Uh, it's almost a daily service. Uh, almost every day, I think, uh, you write something, don't you, Robert? Pretty much every day, yes. Uh, once on the weekend and uh, every day during the week. Yeah. And the weekend really is a very comprehensive uh, review of, of where things stand, but lots of uh, timely information. And, and I got to tell you, after a day like today, and uh, you know, we're recording this on the fifteenth, Wednesday, the fifteenth of October. It was quite a day, with the Dow down some four hundred points at one point, uh, and it just—it's it, just a very uneasy feeling that you have as you watch this market, unless you're prepared for it. In your book, Dr. McHugh, you talked about what well, was published last year, actually. I, I think about this time last year, was it, in 2013? That's right. We put it out about this time last year, and we said uh, watch out for late 2014 and into 2015. Well, it's uh, quite prescient, it seems. Uh, you, you talked about the megaphone formation uh, in the Dow and other major indexes uh, in your book, and that these are very bearish formations for the stock market. And you've, you've chosen to name those formations, though. You've chosen a name of your own. You call it the jaws of death. Can you describe for our listeners what the megaphone formation is and why you have chosen to rename it the jaws of death? Sure. Jay, this, this is a pattern that appears at the at tops of all the major uh, bull runs over the last century. It, it is a, a, a formation where you uh, draw a trend line uh, along the top, uh, connecting the highs of the previous several periods, and then draw a trend line connecting the uh, bottoms of several uh, prior declines. And uh, the symmetry is identical up and down. It's like a perfect uh, opposite uh, mirror slope up and down, and they widen as you go further into time. Uh, so it looks like a, a shark with its jaws wide open, Mm-hmm. And the reason I call it the jaws of death is because inevitably at the end of these patterns, the stock market has a violent uh, decline, uh, and we usually end up with a uh, severe recession, and quite often we end up almost every time with a world war. Wow. Well, we, I mean, you, you've given several examples in your book of, uh, of megaphone or jaws of death formations, and they didn't all end... Uh, in world wars, uh, I mean, a number of them were, um, I'm just trying to think what some of the other dates were. Uh, for example, 19, well, 1929, I guess that's an example of one that did end uh, in, in, a, in a world war uh, about that time. Uh, but we've had wars, I mean, we've had ongoing wars, it seems, in the United States. Uh, but it seems to me there were some other smaller ones that didn't really end in world wars, but... Uh, but were nonetheless a lot, I guess, increased activities in wars. For example, I've jotted some of these dates down. If I understood what you said in your book, 1929, 1957, 1965, uh, and then you touched 1972, 73, 86, and 87, uh, 1998, 1999, and 2007. Were those all periods of time when this um, jaws of death or megaphone formation, at least, was uh, was evident in the equity markets? Yes, that's exactly right. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, almost every one of those had some type of a of a world conflict. You know, Vietnam, uh-huh. uh, Korean, you know, the Iraqi wars, uh, right. one and two. 
so, so there is a, a, a definite one-to-one correlation with wars. Uh, they may not be called World War One or World War Two, but they have involved a lot of nations and uh, created a lot of turmoil uh, throughout the uh, the world. As uh, each time these uh, these patterns show up, it's uh, amazing uh, when these things come because they reflect the psychology of mankind at a particular point in time. Uh-huh. That's why they're accurate. That's why they work. They're uh-huh. measuring uh, mankind psychology. It turns very negative very uh, conflict-oriented, very unsafe, unstable, uh, very uh, messed up, just uh, in 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 an easy way to say it. Sure. Well, if I look at uh, at your chart that you show on page 32 of your book, uh, the coming ac- economic ice age. Uh, I look at the uh, the Dow chart of the Dow, and you see uh, you know violent decline in 2000 you know from 2000 to 2002. Then of course the famous one in 2008 uh, 2009, uh, and then of course we have new highs. We've had new highs during that period of time. So it seems to me that you have increased volatility over a longer period of time. And I guess this is suggesting instability in the markets, right? Yes. And uh, I think the thing that's uh, most fearsome about the current uh, Jaws of Death pattern is this is a massive pattern that's been going on for 25 years, and it contains two other Jaws of Death patterns that were smaller inside of it as as component uh, patterns while this was going on. Uh This is the largest pattern we've seen I've ever seen. It's larger than anything we've seen in the last 125 years. I took it back to 1900, and it's just the largest we've ever seen. And the size of it implies a decline economically uh, on a scale larger than anything we've seen, and I fear uh, a war larger than we've seen. Uh, you know, it's it just it, the, the psychological measurement here is such that uh, uh, there's, there's danger... Uh, coming at us from all directions. The mindset of mankind now is very negative, very bearish, and bad things are coming and will be a consequence starting, I think, probably right now they're starting. We see, uh, of course, uh, you know, increased turmoil and problems of all kinds, uh, Ebola breaking out, ISIS, uh, increased wars, uh, a new... Um, Conflict with with Russia, it seems again, um, increased hostility with China to a certain extent. I would say uh, Chinese instabilities um, in their economy and a, a decline in the growth of the of that economy. Japan's in bad shape. Europe is having lots of trouble. So it does seem like there's uh, increasing tensions and problems around the world. Uh, one of the things you talked about I find very interesting, and you, you talk about it frequently and keep your subscribers up to date, is something called the Hindenburg Omen. Can you tell our, our listeners what uh, the Hindenburg Omen is, and, and why is that so ominous? Oh, sure, Jay. Um, <clears throat> the Hindenburg Omen is an independent measure of the uh, underlying health of the stock market at any particular point in time. Uh, it has appeared before every single stock market crash, uh, over the past 125 years. Uh, I'm sorry, over the past uh, 35 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to 1987 with it. Um, it is a condition in the market that uh, where the, 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 uh, the number of new highs and the number of new lows are both simultaneously above a threshold at the same time that the majority of stocks are declining at the same time 
The 10-week moving average is rising. And what this is is it's an uncertainty in the market that is, that is so clear and so um, uh, dramatic that it can only lead to trouble. Um, mm-hmm. or, or let's put it this way, it has a high risk of leading to trouble. Right. Not every Hindenburg omen le- results in a crash. About one out of every four does. But the ones that did not result in a crash, 70% of the time you're going to get a decline of something like we're seeing right now, 5 to 10%. Mm-hmm. So it does signal that uh, for a healthy market, you have to have everybody uh, on board that it's going up or everybody on board that it's going down. But when there's a dramatic uh, fight going on, of, of whether it's going up or down in a, in a trend, that's when you have a very unhealthy market because you lack clarity. Mm-hmm. And lacking clarity is one of the most negative aspects, characteristics of, any, of a stock market uh, for it to continue higher. It really simply can't. So you might say that it becomes a very emotional market, one in which uh, people have uh, are gripped with fear on the one hand and others are optimistic and hopeful. You have a divergence, essentially, of, uh, of the attitudes and the emotions of, of investors. Yes, mm-hmm. and that has appeared before all the crashes, or I call it crash 15%. So um, there have been several 15% declines since 1987 that people probably don't remember that the media didn't talk that much about. Sure. But um, but this this omen appeared before every single one of them, except one. In August of 1911, we had a, a one-week 17% decline. The HO was not there at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, of the other, uh, what I call crashes, it, it was showed up every time. And we got one in September 19th of this year. We had another official Hindenburg omen. And the very next day, the stock market started declining in what now is a, almost a, a, it's about a 9% decline so far okay. uh, from September 19th. So we have a little ways to go before you would officially label it as a crash. I believe, uh, correct me if you're wrong, but you see the highs of, uh, for this equity market, at least for the Dow, of September 19th? I do. At this point, I believe that that may be the top for the market for a long, long time. And the reason I say that is because uh, the Jaws of Death pattern looks like it completed at that date, uh, and where the price of the stock market reached the top boundary line. And then we had a rising bearish uh, wedge, what I call a wedge, which is a sub-pattern underneath the Jaws of Death, which is a termination top pattern. And that, decli- and that com- uh, completed at the exact same time, around September 19th, and, and stocks have since dropped dramatically below the bottom boundary of that pattern, which is a very bearish uh, development. Stocks have fallen below their 200-day moving average now, which is a very bearish development. And so uh, we have a, a clear signal from technical analysis that this market has a long way to go in just the first leg of what I believe will be a massive bear market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can see the industrials down to 14750 14,750 over the next six months, and then maybe we'll see a a, a counter-trend rally. But eventually I see the Dow uh, dropping all the way down below 5,000 and the S&P 500 uh, dropping uh, well below uh, 500. Uh, Wow. By the time this whole thing is done uh, in many years from now. Okay, so this is a multi-year thing. I, I guess, though, you're not certain whether it's going to be... I, I remember reading something just recently, a, a short-term or a f- relatively quick decline to those levels would be several years, though, I believe, in your view. 
I think it's going to take time because I think the uh, Federal Reserve and the uh, market makers, uh, Wall Street, will fight tooth and nail to prop this market up and keep it as high as possible. Uh, see, many years ago, the government was illegal for them to buy stocks. Well, uh, apparently that doesn't matter anymore. And then the Fed, through the Fund Protection Team, uh, just comes in and buys uh, futures and, and, and stocks uh, through their surrogates, Wall Street. And, of course, we know that they just sent $5 trillion of cash to Wall Street to, in order to do many things, including buy the prop up the stock market. But the problem is they can only buy so much, and the market is so heavy, and bids are so scarce, and the world uh, confidence is dropping so fast, and so many, so much strife is occurring in all phases of life right now and all around the world uh, that are really irreversible in many cases that uh, I don't see uh, a clear uh, way out of this for many, many years. Um, I think we've got a runaway freight train that's uh, just getting started now. Yeah. Well, 19, 1987, I believe, is when the plunge protection team started doing that. Uh, you know, when it uh, during the Reagan years, during the '87 crash or thereafter, is when I believe Robert. Uh, it's my understanding that's when the when the government started buying and started uh, manipulating the markets like that. Um, 1987. So we have, of course, we have this huge amount of debt too. I mean, even if if for those of us of a, of a more fundamental. Uh, orientation, we look at the debt that is growing exponentially, cannot be repaid, that uh, it just seems to me that there is uh, somewhere, at some point along the way, you know, there's a, all engineers know that systems have their limits, and it would seem to me that there is some limit, clearly there's some limit, it seems to me what you are signaling to your subscribers is that we're getting very close to that breaking point. I believe we are, I do, Um, 100 100 trillion of unfunded liabilities, that's it with a P, I mean, it's insane, um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing, that the, the people may not be aware of what the Fed is doing, but the Fed is tightening the money supply right now at the very worst time possible. The, the way they've been saying it in the media is that they've stopped um, QE2 or QE3, yeah. that they're no longer uh, buying $10 million, billion dollars of uh, bonds every month. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is they're actually pulling money out of the economy right now aggressively by doing nothing. Um, because the Fed holds $5 trillion of bonds and securities um, that they've acquired over the past uh, you know, five, ten years, they are, they have, they are owed money from uh, corporations, municipalities, and, and federal government uh, in, the, in the economy. Uh, if you put a wall up and separate the economy versus the Fed, if it's in the Fed, it's not part of the economy. If it's outside the Fed, it is part of the economy. Mm-hmm. Just by having bonds that are maturing, just by being owed coupon payments on those bonds, money must flow from the economy, government agencies and the corporations and the municipalities and the uh, mortgage-backed securities, the issuers of these bonds, they have to send money to the Fed. Just, just as a matter of the of these these uh, instruments rolling off the Fed balance sheet through maturities or coupon payments due because interest is due on these instruments, that's all. That's, that's an enormous amount of cash flowing from the economy to the Fed, and and that is pulling money out of the economy. That is a tightening of our monetary supply at the very worst possible time. It's a gigantic mistake. It's a consequence of the QE3 programs. They had three of them. 
and as a consequence, they've kicked the can down the road with these QE programs. Well, now it's time to pay the piper. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with all these bonds if you're the Federal Reserve? The only thing you could possibly do is forgive the debt so that the cash doesn't come from the issuers over to the Fed in mm-hmm. order to stop the money supply from entering from leaving the economy and heading to the Fed. They're not going to do that yet. They may do that down the road. They're not going to do that yet. So so we have this enormous, enormous monetary tightening going on that nobody's talking about. Yeah. In fact, we've uh, we've had Richard Duncan, a former economist of the uh, at the IMF on this show, and he's insisting that the Fed will, in fact, not be able to continue tightening. And I, I wasn't aware, uh, actually, Robert, that the Fed was uh, sort of through the back door tightening as they are. You know, there's all kinds of talk about they're going to phase out quantitative easing. Uh, tapering is the terminology they use. Uh, but I wasn't aware that it was that restrictive already. So that really could account for some of the reasons that we're starting to see this pullback in the equity market, I suppose. I do believe that. Yeah. In addition, you know, you you are best known, I think, probably uh, uh, for your Elliott Wave analysis, and I might just mention also that uh, another of your fellow Elliott Wave practitioners, Robert Prechter, also has labeled September 19th as the high uh, of the for a long time to come. And Prechter is actually looking at something, uh, unless he's come up with something different recently, at a sub 1,000 on the Dow. So you're uh, you're you're quite bullish compared to him. But uh, <laughs> I don't know that a sub 5,000 will look very bullish to very many people. And an awful lot of pain that is to come as a result of that. So you use, uh, you know, you have this jaws of death, which to me in some ways is really um, uh, sort of goes along with the Hindenburg Omen and some of these other technical uh, tools that you use, Elliott Wave, of course. So I want to ask you, Robert, about some of your other indicators that are suggesting the market is heading much lower. Of most interest to me is your plunge protection team gauge that helps us understand what, to what extent government is manipulating the market to keep the stock prices higher. And I do also want to ask you what your charts are telling you about gold as well as the U.S. Treasury markets. But uh, unfortunately, my engineer is telling me that this is all the time that we have for the first hour. But I will continue my discussion with Dr. McHugh immediately after the break at jtaylormedia.com. Go there and click on the podcast button and you will listen to the second part of my discussion with Dr. McHugh, which was recorded after the market closed on October 15th. So please go immediately to J. Taylor Media and click on the podcast button to hear the rest of my conversation with Dr. Robert McHugh. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with J. Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Caden Resources is an advanced gold mining exploration company with two exceptional gold projects in Mexico. The company's flagship El Barqueño project represents the most valuable opportunity that an exploration company can have, which is the continuous discovery of high-grade gold from surface in arguably the best mining jurisdiction in Mexico. The company's second project, Morelos Sur, has one of the most talked-about land positions in the heart of Mexico's largest producing gold belt. 